0: Sorcerer's Stone Chapter 3 The Letters to No One. My name is Rebecca and I am your co-host and I'm Madison.
1: I am your co-host. So today we go through this chapter. We have um, Harry sees Petunia dyeing his uniform. He's moving up to secondary school and then we find out that there is this mysterious letter and the Dursleys are freaking out about it. They're like, mm-mm, Harry does not get to have this letter. So, but it keeps coming. It comes through the, you know, it comes in the eggs <laughs> when the eggs get delivered. I love uh, it comes the eggs. It's amazing. Uh, the fireplace, it follows them on this uh, fun family trip that Vernon spontaneously plans for everybody. Plans and is a strong word. That it is. It was pretty, uh
0: property family road trip. Let's go.
1: Exactly. <laughs> he shoots from the hip, gets them as far away as he can, does a shady deal with some gun dealers in the country, and we leave the chapter with this ominous boom as the clock strikes midnight to Harry's birthday. Um, so, yeah, very, very, like antics shenanigans wow magic all through this chapter it was uh much more light and fun and bubbly compared to the ones before
0: yes (laughs) that that was hard to do but definitely
1: (laughs) yeah and they're still you know they're still the Dursleys so they're still fucked up but you know they it is what it is they it doesn't feel as like I don't know something about this chapter made it feel less dismal and maybe it was the like all of the magic so knowing that hogwarts and people who do care about harry are kind of just around the corner um but it was it was nice to have something that didn't feel like a slog and a i don't know such a downer like the last chapter
0: yeah for sure
1: So our first segment is Patronus Fuel. We talk about something that we love from the text. And I loved seeing Harry speaking his mind and getting snippy with Petunia and Dudley and some great sick burns from Harry about stuffing Dudley's head down a toilet and um, about his wet uniform for... What's the high school? Stonewall? school something like that it is stonewall high ah okay interesting stonewall high i liked i liked seeing harry like have that sort of spunk and fighting out against his abusers um it's just nice to see you know it lets you kind of live vicariously through harry if that option is maybe not available to you if you have a similar situation so Just, I always appreciate living vicariously through Harry's. You know, like I'm ready to throw a punch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like the new the other reference to Miss Fig. I'm glad we got to check back in on her because I'm fascinated by her confusing backstory. Absolutely. Um, She's on crutches. Doesn't make any sense. Why is she on crutches? Like, why can't they heal her?
1: I don't know because they're selfish and mean.
0: (laughs) They must be. Like, come on, guys. But also, we got to check in on her cats, and I love the cats. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think my favorite thing from this chapter is just the end of it whenever we get the really exciting, like, kind of cheesy, but really fun. Like, something's outside, there's all these noises, and it ends with, like, somebody was outside. And it's so dramatic. And it's just kind of what you want from like a kid's book about a magic school. Is you want kind of this like fun, cheesy excitement, and so yes, I was happy that we finally got to it.
1: <laughs> yes, well, that it's it's nice to know that I don't know something is finally going to happen for Harry after these ten years of misery.
0: Plus, I'm in love with Hagrid, so I'm very excited for that.
1: Absolutely, Hagrid is chef's kiss, one of the best characters. Perfect.
0: Okay, our next segment is called "Enchantingly Nasty." This is something that we found deeply frustrating from the text. So, let's, where to start? <laughs> um, it definitely was a lot more, a lot easier to get through than the last chapter. For sure. But, um, I think my thing about it was that we see that whoever's writing these letters—I'm assuming Dumbledore, but you know, it could be. McGonagall or somebody but whoever it is is aware that actually no the letters are from McGonagall right I think so I think that they have her name on them anyway um, whoever's writing these letters um, is fully aware that he's been living in a cupboard under the stairs and yet has not like they don't even say anything about it it's just this passive aggressive little like line on the outside of an envelope it's not Mm -hmm. like hey you guys like can't do that put him in a room And it wasn't something that they thought to mention until he was 11 years old almost and then after that like we see that once the Dursleys are aware that like they know about that they're like oh crap let's put him in this other bedroom so obviously whoever Dumbledore McGonagall whoever's involved in this um had the ability to convince the Dursleys to put Harry in an actual bedroom and yet they never did
1: minimal Uh, effort required also
0: and then whenever we get the next letter it's just like the smallest bedroom which I'm like you're really not in a place to be shaming them for putting him in the smallest bedroom when you first of all never even asked for him to be put in a bedroom you just put this like passive aggressive note on an envelope Mm -hmm. like you could have written a whole letter like Ten years ago, like, can y'all put this toddler in a bedroom and not in a cupboard with spiders, please? Right. So I just think it's a little ridiculous that they're that they had the power here, they had the complete ability to get him into a better living situation, and yet they think that it's okay for them to be being passive aggressive at the Dursleys about
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it falls into this pattern of this lack of imagination, you know, always. Harry always falling into the worst scenario, and very, very little would have had to change to fix this. But it's just we always have to see Harry like <laughs> at his worst. not to be miserable, right? God forbid so, he gets a big head. Right? Don't want we, that.
0: I mean, to be fair, we do see it in a few books he does get a big head, but still. <laughs> right, that, but that's all the more proof that like it didn't really matter all along whether or not we put him in a crappy home or not.
1: Exactly. He's a he's the chosen one. It's going to happen <laughs> at some point. You know? It's, it's inevitable.
0: Right. Might as well let him have a happy childhood. <laughs> exactly. Or not, I guess. Like, what do I know? Dumbledore knows best, as Obviously. we know. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, the white men here are in charge.
1: Yep. Oh, Dumbledore.
0: Oh, Dumbledore. Oh, Vernon. For
1: me, I was... N- There's a lot of, like, casual violence throughout this series. Um, But this chapter, I was really bothered by, like, the casual violence with animals. Like, you know, Dudley runs over a dog with his toy tank. Um, There's a tortoise thrown through a greenhouse roof, which honestly sounds horrifying.
0: It sounds so horrifying.
1: Like, it's... I don't know. It's... It's hard because, like, you know, if we just want to complain about, like, violence in the series, there's a lot that can be said. And it's, for some reason, this just really bothered me during this read-through because you see online a lot of these videos of, you know, people will take videos of their pets or of wild animals that they catch. And the pain and the distress the animals feel becomes a punchline for some kind of joke, like maybe the animal is making a noise that people think sounds funny, but actually it's a noise that means like, please put me the fuck down. I am in pain and you are scaring me. And I just, I don't know. It felt like it was in line like that. Like these little throwaway lines about running over a dog or throwing a turtle through a greenhouse that just, I don't, I don't like it. It makes me sad. Animals are wonderful beings and we don't need to, Use them as the butt of a joke, even if it's fiction. You know, things we write in fiction uh, have implications in the real world. So that's my soapbox. She
0: could have just said that, like he threw like his video game through the greenhouse roof. Like, there's no reason to make it a living being who can't defend themselves.
1: Yeah, it's just it's excessive, and and poor tortoises. Tortoises don't need that. They're too cute. They munch on vegetables and fruits. Like they're
0: just chill. I know. <laughs> I feel like if it was used to like build Dudley into like a psychopath or something, then like sure, because I guess that would be a good way to represent like how really messed up he is. But it's it's not doing that. It's trying to just say he's having a tantrum, and that's right. not a good way to describe a tantrum.
1: No, because Dudley like Dudley doesn't go on to be like Dudley's a bully, but he right. has. Like a mild redemption arc,
0: serial killer or anything.
1: No, no, (laughs) he's just a he's a mean kid with mean parents, and you can represent that without without this. Exactly, it's just it's 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 very different than like the unicorn, which we see later, which has like a purpose in the story. This just, I don't know it. It feels like violence is one of those things that if it advances the plot and is relevant to the story, it's one thing, but this is, you know, th- this wasn't, ne- this wasn't necessary. And
0: yeah. And it doesn't fit with the plot either because it, it is a little too excessive, I think, for what she's trying to convey because she's, she's not trying to, she's just trying to say he's upset. And it just, that's beyond what, what I feel her point was. Yeah, Definitely. So whenever Harry's talking about the fact that he never gets any mail, he says that he doesn't belong to a library, so he never even gets rude notes from the library asking to return their books. Why are we calling libraries rude for asking for their property back? (laughs) Like, libraries are great. Like, they've done nothing wrong. That is their property. They need it in order, like, it's, like, the whole point of library is to, like, share these books among the community, and if you're hoarding it to yourself... It can't be shared among the community. There are people who have holds on these books. They want these books returned. And you can't just be calling them rude for, like, like, you're breaching your contract by not returning it on time. So I'm mad about that. But I also don't know if I'm reading too far into the word rude. And maybe it's just, like, a phrase. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, let's let's unpack that more when we meet <laughs> Madam Pince. Because I think we could have... There's a lot of... uh I don't know beliefs it's just about, about libraries.
0: Libraryness in this—it's very yeah. like Leslie Nope.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's like libraries are not evil. They are librarians, librarians are great. <laughs> they are helpful. They provide essential services, and I don't appreciate the slander.
0: <laughs> librarians are all so cool. I've never met a mean librarian.
1: Mm-mm.
0: I love librarians.
1: If you have, please. So Tell us your mean librarian stories so we can expand our horizons, but. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're all great. And if you don't like them, then you're probably the problem. So. <laughs> all right. The has been laid
1: down. <laughs> oh, <Okay. laughs> God. All right. Our next segment is Accio Fandom, where we feature fan creations that kind of help us solve some of the things that we find were difficult or unimaginative, problematic in these chapters. Um, This time, I searched out a couple of fan fictions because we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, but Vernon's behavior in this chapter was disarming and unsettling and frightening.
0: Concerning.
1: Yes, he's going through a lot. He's having a really... Uh, He's having a lot of fear and he's taking it out on his family and you know, I think the way this is written, you could probably, it wouldn't be too uh, wild a theory to believe that Vernon exacerbates Petunia's feelings about magic and Lily and Harry. Um, So I I wanted, yeah. I wanted to find a an alternate universe where we have Vernon in a supportive role in a, um, you know, where he takes care of Harry and wants to take care of Harry. So I found two fan fictions. The first one is called searching. It is a two chapter it's unfinished. Um, but it is two chapters and premise is that, um, Dudley dies at birth, so it starts out pretty like traumatic for Petunia. She's grieving. She's distraught. She's going, you know, she's going to therapy. Um, but then Harry ends up on their doorstep, and so Vernon, who's been taking care of Petunia, now kind of has to take care of Harry as well. And I really liked this one because it it's very like. talks very explicitly not like explicit like shocking but like you know we see we you know we see petunia going to therapy we see vernon who is concerned about the trauma that petunia has experienced and i liked how explicit that was about the mental health aspects we see petunia finding harry on the doorstep and uh whoever wrote this has some feelings about dumbledore (laughs) (laughs) um because the, the letter that they had Dumbledore write, um, we never know exactly what he writes, but you see Dumbledore encouraging the Dursleys to be cruel to Harry in this particular interpretation. And Petunia and Vernon are like, this is messed up. Like this, you know, this Dumbledore, he seems super manipulative and we need to take care of Harry and we need to teach him about his magical heritage and, you know, about his mom and... Petunia's like, look, I'm really going through it, Vernon, so I'm really going to need you to step up. And he's like, okay, I guess i I got to step up. Uh, but then, you know, we see in the next chapter, when Harry gets older, you know, the Dursleys take him to Diagon Alley. And, you know, he learns about Voldemort, and he is more equipped to talk about these things. He's less afraid. And it was just really nice. It was, it was really short, but... I just, I really liked imagining this world where, um, not necessarily where like Dudley had died, obviously, but where you have Petunia and Vernon in this supportive role. They're, you know, grieving, they're going through, uh, you know, mental health uh, healing, doing therapy. And I wish there was more to this fic. I would love to see... um, if they had done like every time Harry came back you know for the holidays that that would have made me happy to know what they thought the rest of Harry's journey would have looked like if he'd had a more supportive home to return to in between his fights with Voldemort
0: I think it would be really cool to have something like that for whenever he returned because there's a lot of things that are a little odd about like his returns to the Dursley house like the fact that he's supposed to have a permission slip signed to go to Hogsmeade but not to be in Quidditch where he could die and not to be in the Triwizard Tournament where he could die but they're like you know what to go to the candy store you need a permission slip so I think it would just be interesting to see if like if he had had parents who were more involved and concerned about him it'd be cool to see them be like you just joined the Quidditch team and you didn't tell us? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're flying how far high in the air? And you're 11? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Or, like, you're in a a tournament where people have died and you didn't even enter it, but you're supposed to do it anyway? Like, that's not okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like, Like, if they hadn't
1: let him go to Hogsmeade because they were afraid for him and Sirius Black and not just because they didn't want to sign the permission slip.
0: Right. Mm, I like that. That would have been interesting. Um, so it, I feel like a lot of stuff just gets kind of brushed off with them being like, oh, they don't care. Because like, right. like, I think um, that comes up with um, the Weasleys at one point where they're like, well, aren't they going to worry, about, like, don't you need to say goodbye? Aren't they going to worry about you or something? And he's like, honestly, they'd be glad if I never came back or something like that at one point. And mm. so it just would be nice if he had a good place to go back to considering he was like he's protected when he's there. So Yeah. It'd be nice if he was emotionally protected too.
1: I know. <laughs> Poor Harry. Poor Harry. So this next one, it's called Petunia the good aunt and not owl friend. I don't I don't know what that second part is about, but it's there. Um <laughs> And in the summary uh, for this, there's a little quote which I want to read. And so it's it's just a little quote from the fic where uh, it's talking about Petunia. It so says she does not realize she's crying until Vernon presses an open bottle into her hand for Harry while he settles himself down on another chair with Dudley in the letter. What are we going to do, Vernon? We're going to raise a wizard, is what Pet as in Petunia. <laughs> um, <laughs> But first of all, I think we best get our hands on a second cot and some of Dudley's clothes back out of the loft. He's going to need them, little tyke. This one is so wonderful because when you consider that Vernon probably made things a lot worse for Petunia and her feelings about her family, in this one we have a skeptical Petunia who's like, what are we going to do? How are we going to raise another child, especially a child whose parents were murdered by an evil sorcerer? And Vernon's just like he just steps up here. He just says, we're going to raise a wizard and we're going to get him. We're going to go, we're going to get another bed. We're going to get some clothes and we're going to treat Harry like he is our own. And it like, uh, it's really hard to return into the actual Sorcerer's Stone book after reading these because it is so, so nice to imagine good caregivers and Especially good fathers, because I feel like sometimes this book is really lacking good father figures. Yeah. um, And Harry needs them and he, you know, struggles to find them and he finds bits and pieces of father figures throughout the series. But like, if Vernon had been able to be this, you know, solid, just. Decent human being. I feel like a lot of Harry's emotional problems would not have happened. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: I think that kind of goes along with something that um, we talked about in the first episode of like how maybe if the Dursleys had been given like a a little more information and and like a, a choice of taking in Harry, I think that there would have been a lot less resentment and as opposed to just finding him on the doorstep. Um, cause like obviously, like we want to believe that, like, or we want to think that, like, it'd be nice if they just found him on the doorstep and they're like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. But I think ideally it would be great if he wasn't left on the doorstep and they were just, they knocked and they talked to him and to Petunia and said, like, this is what's going on, like, this is what happened to him, and he would be protected if he was with family, like, are you able to take him in? I think that that would have given them the chance to make the choice to step up to support him mm. and it would have had so much less resentment on both ends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That knowledge is, I mean, knowledge is power. It's a you know cliche, but it's when you give people knowledge, you give them the ability to make informed decisions. And I think there are, I don't know, I, I think that that's super wise and it's very relevant to people who have really extreme prejudices like Vernon does, where he doesn't have, like, because Petunia doesn't let that part of the world, you know, she doesn't let that into their lives, he has no way of knowing what the wizarding world is actually like. And if he had access to that, then I believe this is in general with a lot of prejudice. Once you learn the truth about something that you're afraid of, you become a lot less scared of it because... I don't know, it's just this unknown beast before, but then it's not so unknown. So you can tackle it or just work with it in a way you didn't know before.
0: Yeah, and you can like process it more completely. Yeah. Processing is so important. <laughs>
1: yes, it takes time. So it would have been nice to use those 10 years between <laughs> dropping Harry off and him going to school for a lot of processing for everybody. But um, But we didn't do that. <laughs> No, these fan fiction writers are fantastic and have great imaginations. And now we will return to the less imaginative, miserable existence that (laughs) Harry Potter has in the canonical seven books. (laughs) Oh, Harry. (laughs) Poor boy.
0: Our next segment is the department of social justice as we're going to talk about some of the issues involving social justice identity politics and just anything that's a little more in depth in this chapter (laughs)
1: Um, i'm standing now i'm moving my chair um there's (laughs) there's a lot of social justice in this chapter to the point that i googled gun laws in the uk um because i was very curious about to what lengths was vernon going to acquire this uh last resort i'm going to protect my family and even if i have to kill someone to do it uh mentality um and probably pretty darn far it (laughs) <laughs> I think that sounds like he's sneaking around, getting rifle where he's not supposed to be. He doesn't I don't think he has like a. He doesn't seem like someone who has a hunting permit, you know. Um, and even
0: if he did, hunting permits don't cover shooting half giants that break into.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> the that area. you need a whole
0: different department <laughs> for that.
1: <laughs> Vern is just running wild here, and it is it is frightening. Honestly, it is really frightening to see him. Losing his mind with fear over wizards and putting his family into uh, dangerous situations, mostly just because he's out of control. Not necessarily like driving out into the country or to a hotel isn't dangerous, but he's so he's so unhinged, you know?
0: Yeah, like he's not even like responsive to like, like Petunia's afraid to even ask him like where they're going. Yeah. And I think that's something that we're probably going to get a little bit more into in the next segment because it's it's definitely got a very strong tie so, to some potential mental health concerns with that.
1: Yeah. There's this whole like patriarchal attitude of be a man, be strong, protect your family is mm-hmm. not serving Vernon or anybody in this situation. No. Um, and it makes me wonder, I mean, like, It implies to me, like, behind the scenes, what we're not seeing is Vernon is probably, you know, if this is how he's treating his family here in this situation, I imagine we have multiple instances of him being a uh, sort of abusing his power in this, like, quote, head of household position that he holds. And I don't like that because it's not good.
0: (laughs) It's really not. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Lucius.
1: Ooh, that's an interesting comparison.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're both very, like, I think Dudley and Draco have a lot more in common than, totally. <laughs> than I've thought about before. Because <laughs> I think that just, we we definitely see with Lucius that he's this, like, strong, like, important or whatever kind of guy who who is in charge of things, wants to be in charge of things, knows what's going on all the time. I think that's what Vernon wants to be. Not mm-hmm. that I think he should want to be that, but I think that that's that's what he's going for is just to be really put together and in control of everything that's going on, and it's it's probably mainly just societal pressure because we we do it's very obvious and it's it's pretty much stated multiple times that um, fitting in with society being normal is the ultimate goal for the Dursleys. Yeah. So to be living on this like prim and proper street with all the houses that look the same, that he works with the company, he, you know, like has business people come over to his house and has dinner parties and they're all dressed up and nice. Like there's definitely this air of like him needing to be the stereotypical like leave it to Beaver kind of dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah drills yes Yes. I'm really fascinated because I think this is not like some profound thing that nobody's ever said I'm sure but it's I think it's really hitting me now how sometimes the Malfoys are the bad guys that you kind of like because they're kind of cool you know like they have this mansion with white peacocks and you know they have canes with wands in them and fancy things and I'm just realizing now how like Oh, of course, they're just they're just disguised by their being like at the top of society and how the sort of more like middle, upper middle class situation that the Dursleys are in is, you know, they don't get the same uh, shielding, perhaps, that a reader offers to the Malfoys who have power. So you want to, you know, we can't help it sometimes if people have power, we want to embody that because people like to feel powerful. But the Dursleys don't have that same power, and also they're not magical, so nobody wants to beat them. Obviously, but I don't yeah, know.
0: I think that the Dursleys have to are putting a lot more effort into it. Yeah. And the yeah. the Malfoys are just like, well, we're Nazis, so we don't care about anyone else. Yep. <laughs> or what they think. <laughs> we just
1: need to maintain our place at the top, like we have forever, and that sucks.
0: I could go on a whole thing about the Malfoys, but we haven't even met them yet, so I'm going to try to (laughs) hold
1: back. (laughs) We've got seven books. We've got (laughs) plenty of time.
0: Something that also stood out to me and bothered me a bit was that um, whenever we're first getting these letters, Vernon's response is to say we're going to ignore it. And Petunia, who, you know, we're led to believe has a little bit more understanding of the wizarding world, like obviously not a lot but she her opinion should count here she mm-hmm. says like I don't know if that's gonna work I think maybe we should we should write back and say we don't want anything to do with this and and Dursley is just like nope nope this is what we're gonna do we're gonna ignore it we're gonna not do anything about it and mm-hmm. that, first of all very clearly does not work <laughs> <laughs> right. um, like it's, it's progressively getting so so obvious that it is not working and rather than saying you know what Petunia Person who I love and am married to and respect, I I think that you're right. Maybe we should just write a letter back. No, he goes instead just just double down on ignoring it so far that he's driven all across the country. Um, and it just it's just another example of a woman having an idea that is arguably better, and a man saying, "Nope, we're gonna go with my way," which is very. Reflective of, I think the first chapter. Whenever Albus is like, "We're gonna just drop him off with these people," and McGonagall is like, "Um, <laughs> maybe we could maybe we could not do that. They're the worst people I've ever seen." <laughs> he's like, nope. We're gonna do it. We're gonna drop them off here. It's perfect. I thought it all through when I was at all these parties. It's gonna be a good time, and then we don't have to worry about him till he's eleven. <laughs> like, it's foolproof.
1: More parties.
0: Exactly. So I think that. It's just yet another example of women not being respected and men being overconfident, (laughs) which is not what I want to see.
1: No, no, it's not. And it is deeply frustrating to be exposed to the situation over and over and over again, just even in the first few chapters of this book, it's it's already, I'm already tired of it.
0: (laughs) Exactly, especially from an author who is trying to convince people that she's a strong feminist and it's like well you can't even write a female character that gets respect like what's up with that
1: (laughs) there's a lot of unpacking to do of quote feminism in the potter books Um, i feel
0: like the only like strong women we get they're only respected because of their like mothering qualities too which is a whole other thing
1: my last point for this was We talked about your, uh, like, wizard muggle support group last time. And I would like to add, like, an anti-bias training for people participating in this group so that somebody like Vernon can learn, no, if you get a letter from a wizard, you don't need to go out into the country and buy a gun. You know, you can instead (laughs) just uh, (laughs) talk about your feelings. (laughs) <laughs> right. Talk about your feelings. Um, talk to your child about if they are going to go to school, when they're gonna to go to school. Um, just something so that he understands what witches and wizards are actually like and give him access to give him access to knowledge and information so he can make an informed decision and not one solely based on fear, which is pretty much always a bad choice.
0: And so that maybe he can stop setting zoo animals free because That's not probably the best idea.
1: No, it's not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's got no control of his powers right now. So the idea that they're like, we're just going to not send him to a place where he could learn to control them is... It's counterproductive to what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting, too, because we talk a bit about... Like, in the book, it's very obvious that there's, like, this bias of, like... Um, Wizards that don't like muggles Like that's a very clear thing that happens And there's not a lot of discussion About um, Muggles who Are not okay with wizards Mm -hmm. Like obviously they have like the protection act Where they keep everything quiet because You know it's it's safer that way But um, But they never seem like Concerned I guess about You know the relationship Between wizards and muggles like it's never So much something where they're like maybe we should try to work on this relationship it's just like it's gonna be quiet and if they do find out we're gonna wipe their memories and then it's fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) our next segment is chocolate with madam pomfrey where we imagine mental health care in the wizarding world or even just in the muggle world in this case and the potential implications it has for the characters and even the folks reading the books so, still a lot to say about Vernon here. Um, this is really a chapter showing the <laughs> a big crisis for him.
0: Yeah, well, because he's he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders, and it makes sense that like it, it's a lot for somebody to handle, especially somebody who's grown up with these very traditional beliefs, and then he's he's thrown into a family where it's the most non-traditional issue you could ever have. Right. Um, and and so that is a lot of stress on him So it, it makes sense that he He does not handle it well um, But he also is The entire chapter Working really hard on, on not talking about it And bottling it up And just refusing to even acknowledge The stuff that's happening
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, Which is not Helpful Like I think we talked a little bit about the fact that Like I think they're really unlikely to go to therapy. Just they seem like the kind of people who would be a little bit like turned off by the idea of, of talking to somebody about their feelings. But like, even if they just talked to each other, like even if Vernon to just like had like a, a more open line of communication about these things, I think that that would really, really help them feel more, um, more confident in how they're handling it to like know where the other person is at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He... I think that because it seems like petunia often has an emotional awareness but it just doesn't have the like i don't know a support system to help her push through the things that she needs to work through in order to stop being uh, garbagey
0: yeah she's definitely just like constantly too scared to really what she thinks and I think that a lot of the stuff that she thinks is not great but better than than Vernon's responses for sure
1: right I really like what you're saying because I think when you're raised in such a traditional way and you are so rigid in your beliefs you have a really low capacity for um, accepting and managing yourself as things change um, he's he's very fragile (laughs) you know like not a lot has to happen for him to all of a sudden start whistling tiptoe through the tulips as he nails his door (laughs) or his mail slot shut (laughs) like that that didn't take very many things for him right Um,
0: and we see how seriously he takes his job and yet right away he's he's taking time off work like multiple days off of work to like really try and, and bottle all of this down
1: Mm-hmm. Which goes to show, you know, this is on top of however much bottling and not handling things he's already doing, you know, just in his daily life before this crisis even happens. To be so full to capacity already that something like this happens, and then it's just,
0: woo-woo, not good. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's just, he he's not emotionally or mentally capable of, of handling these things yeah it's because he doesn't give himself any form of self-care he doesn't give himself any sort of patience he's very hard on himself um and he's very set on, on things need to be the way that he thinks they need to be
1: yeah tearing your mustache out from stress is a sign that you need to go on a long holiday and take some time to you know maybe meditate maybe do some deep breathing um
0: I mean it, it literally like tearing your mustache out is literally um mania, which is yeah caused by severe stress usually or right I mean, other things but stress is usually a, a main trigger for it
1: absolutely I'm glad that you knew the word for that because I did not know how to pronounce that <laughs> I got it <laughs> yes I just I wish that that's why those fan fictions were really nice in imagining a Vernon who is in touch with his feelings enough to like help Petunia with hers because she needs she needs help like what what Petunia is going through for the first I mean definitely in this book and probably beforehand she needs a professional to help her sort through what she is going through and I like imagining more supportive father figures, more Arthur Weasleys into this universe because uh, people need them. You need, I don't know, I think the world would be a lot better off if there were more fathers and, you know, men, cis men who are more in touch with their feelings. It would probably help a lot of people (laughs) with a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, like if there wasn't such a a stigma around men needing to be really stoic all the time
1: Mm
0: -hmm. it it causes a lot of harm
1: yeah it absolutely does it is there are so many issues that everybody faces and one of the main ways that men suffer from like in the you know the patriarchal system is the health effects of bottling everything in and always having to be you know being expected to be the person that everybody else relies on for protection and, you know, uh, financial stability, that's that's a lot of pressure for any one person, no matter who you are.
0: Yeah, which is why, you know, it's bullshit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we don't need to always put all of that on on one person in a family. Like... I think that there's there's a lot of room for them to to reach out to each other and and put more and and ask for more support from each other rather than just feeling like they need to work on it themselves and then just never working on it.
1: Right. I think it probably goes without saying, but I, this isn't like a you know poor Vernon. He you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's more just imagining like these are the things that are at play. These are the sort of systems affecting his mental health that are making him feel this way, and um, I don't know. I, it's important to have a little bit of empathy, but also, it's also okay to feel like, fuck Vernon, he's uh, a nincompoop. <laughs> so, we could have room for both.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that, like, I can very clearly see why he gets really freaked out why he feels the need to like run away with his family and buy a gun and go into this like tiny house with nothing but bananas and some bags of chips. (laughs) Um, I don't agree with any of it. I don't think any of it was a good decision. There's not a single choice he made in that whole montage that was the right choice necessarily or something that I would recommend. But I think that by looking at at the things that he says, it's very easy to see why he felt that that was his only choice.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think that Dudley needs a lot of help. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, he does, and it is sad. <laughs> uh, okay,
0: so let's see. Dudley has never had such a terrible day in his life. I think that's what is said in the book. And first of all, like it, it's supposed to be kind of Comical because, like, mm-hmm. the worst thing that's happening to him is that he missed some TV and he um, didn't get to to stop and and stay somewhere with the TV and he didn't get to um, do the things that he wanted to do and he was stuck in the car all day. Right. So, yeah. so like we've all had, you know, I, most of us have gone on way too long of road trips and it's <laughs> been kind of awful. To say that it's the worst day of your life would be kind of incredible because That's like impressive it is Um, but I think that what's really going on is that he's in a car with parents who are seriously freaking him out mm-hmm. because they, his dad is very clearly not himself Yes, and his dad is normally you know like we talked about the head of the household the person who's whose word is final, what he says goes, he knows what he's doing, he knows what he's talking about, he he can take care of the family. So for Dudley to be in the back of the car watching his dad just be really out of sorts would be super, super stressful. And, like, I think it's, it's possible that, like, you know, maybe he was just stressed about the TV and he really didn't care about anything else. But if we were looking at it as something more realistic, then he would probably be just like genuinely terrified of what was going on. Yeah. If you've seen the Buzzfeed Unsolved episode about the Trump family, (laughs) it is (laughs) an R-O-M-P, not Trump. Yes. Trump. I'm over-enunciating it on purpose. This family had these parents that were suffering from, extreme paranoia and they ended up um packing up their three adult children who like like not even like small children like they convinced like their adult children too that like something was going on they left their phones at home they left their credit cards at home they left um their passports at home and they went on this like almost thousand mile road trip um just completely off the grid and they just disappeared and like over time like the kids would kind of like out like they were getting kind of like freaked out and they would go back to go back home Mm -hmm. Um, but the the parents ended up needing um, psychiatric care because like they were just so overtaken by the paranoia and that's something that could be a very strong parallel with what's happening with um, Vernon and his family where he's taking something that wasn't necessarily dangerous like I mean, I can see why he was scared. Like, it, he had no control over what was going on. But at the end of the day, it was, it was just letters. Yeah. And they were just trying to get a kid into school. Um. But he took that to be, like, an attack on his family. And he got very serious about it. I mean, like, evidenced by the fact that he bought a gun. At, yeah. Like, on top of the whole road trip. So, I think that there's a very you can go much deeper with this road trip than than i think was intended but um (laughs) but but there are times when people do feel this way and it has actually happened in real life and so what happened in in that case with the trump family is that the kids were were genuinely really freaked out and they ended up needing to leave because they were so uncomfortable with what was happening so to think that you know harry and and dudley are just like chilling in the back seat is maybe not what would happen in a more realistic version of events Mm
1: -hmm. um
0: so if we're looking at this from like where we would want mental health care represented yes i would say that um that would be a really strong spot for some much needed communication between the family members not just um, I talked a bit that I think that um, Vernon and Petunia need a more open line of communication. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but the kids are, are literally shut out of the conversation. Like they're literally like hiding behind a door listening to the keyhole to figure out what's going on. Yeah. So they have no idea other than what they overheard a little bit, what's going on with these letters. All they know is that father figure here is terrified and like going into like a really weird space so without knowing that these letters are actually harmless that would be way more stressful for the kids than, than what's getting let on here
1: yeah absolutely this is a another one of those situations that because you're a kid it's doubly triply stressful just because you don't have access to the information about what the hell is happening
0: right like they're they're literally being like completely shut out from the whole conversation and i think that like it's fair that it's an adult conversation to have of of, you know what school your your kids go to (laughs) but um but to to react in such a strong way and to not tell them why is is dangerous yeah so, I think the whole family needs a spa day. Yes. Like, I think obviously my impulse is to say they all need family therapy because that would be the dream. But I think right. that it's it's, un, it's unrealistic for this family. Like, they would, I, I don't think it would ever happen, unfortunately.
1: A nice, like, family bonding day that's not just, like you said, in a shack or eating cold tinned tomatoes in a hotel room. Um, Like, you know, just maybe they all bake a cake together and then they talk at the kitchen table about how, like, hey, we're a family and sometimes things are stressful, but we're going to get through this together. That, you know, that would be A-plus material compared to what we get.
0: Our last segment is Into the pensive. This is where we're going to reflect on what the chapter means to us and how we want to move forward from it and maybe compare it to what it meant to us um, first time we read it.
1: I'm always surprised at how vivid I can, like how vividly I can recall the first experience of reading it. And I think because some of the writing is more um, engaging here, like you have a lot of strong images and the situation, like you have a situation here that's actually really intriguing, I think, compared to some of the other stuff that we've seen so far where you have these mysterious letters, you know? This chapter makes me feel a lot of hope, I guess. Yes. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. And maybe part of it comes from knowing. But even the first time I read it, the feeling that there is somebody out there, somebody beyond the small, miserable existence that you've had who cares and who knows who you are. I don't know. Maybe this is kind of like a... It's almost like a connection to a spiritual feeling, you know, like this idea that you are known that somebody can supernaturally uh, ascertain your circumstances and how wonderful the idea of that feels to kind of soak that in and feel like okay like there is somebody watching out for me I may not be able to see them but they can see me and they you know they're keeping their eyes on me and just that idea is really comforting
0: I love that
1: (laughs) Sometimes the spiritual messaging in even in these books can be uh not my favorite, but I do I do like this I, this is one of those messages that I think is as long as you don't go too far like with anything, I think it's really helpful just to kind of know and believe that you aren't alone and that you're always in connection with something or somebody who understands you.
0: Like this chapter is such a a transitionary chapter because we're going from just really getting into describing this horrible life and what's wrong with it and why it sucks and why it's always sucked and then we're getting to a point where you can kind of feel like maybe it's not always going to suck because we do get that We, we get the letter of like why is somebody writing to me like why somebody knows where I am and everything just like like what you were just talking about and then at the end then we're we're counting down to his birthday and it's just like this feeling that you know it's something's gonna change and we know that there's literally nothing good (laughs) happening right now so any change is gonna be you know probably good change so that's it's it's just a very uplifting chapter because it just kind of it it definitely gives you hope that that we're going to get into cool, happy, magical times and not sad, miserable times. Yes. That we've been in. <laughs>
1: yeah. How nice. We needed that little <laughs> shining spot of hope, didn't we? Exactly.
0: I think that it's like part of like why people read young adult fiction and even like, I mean, this is even like lower than young adult at the first few books, yeah. I think. But um, I think it's the reason that people don't ever want to stop reading young adult fiction when we get older it's just because there's something about it that it always kind of whether or not it has a truly happy ending there's always something uplifting in it there's always something mm. that we want like a little touch of fantasy even in like really realistic books that you get from young adult fiction that you don't necessarily get from more serious books I guess you know that even in way way book even if it's gonna be sad and depressing for a little bit you know that's not the whole book right there's very very few young adult um, fiction books that are actually just like full sad
1: (laughs) full tragedy everyone dies world ends that's not very common
0: yeah like I'm sure if I thought hard enough I could come up with a couple but (laughs) um that it's not as common and so I think that we're really starting to see in this chapter that we're gonna get to that point where we get the happy ya feelings that we know and love
1: yes that's such a great point that is that is when it feels connected to this is the first time where i think even though in that first chapter we talk about the larger story i think this is the first real emotional resonance with the rest of the story
0: yeah because like in the first chapter we see some magic but it's like really overwhelmed by like the tragedy of the moment
1: yeah dumbledore being a jerk Mcgonagall getting ignored, Dursleys being,
0: Hagrid crying.
1: Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> Thank you all for listening, and uh, please join us next week to discuss Chapter Four, "The Keeper of the Keys."
0: In the meantime, you can follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook. We are Beyond the Veil Pod, and on Twitter, we are Beyond the Veil MN. I- I'm really sad that Hagrid had to wait. 11 years to see Harry.
1: It was so so rude on Dumbledore's part to keep them apart when they Hagrid's so nurturing and loving.
0: Ah! <laughs> I don't know that he would have been a good human caretaker, but
1: uh, <laughs> maybe not. But but he's a good friend. Right. He could have at least hung out with him on the weekends.
0: He's a cool uncle he is he is or like the wacky uncle uncle, I guess but (laughs) both 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 good